Morning, Glory, and evening, Grace, America. My thanks to Guy Benson for spending the first two hours with me. This hour, though, we're going out of turn this week because a constitutional republic that votes ought to consider what it voted on with someone who thinks deeply about such things. That means I reached out to Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College, on this day after the political earthquake, the tsunami, the wave, to ask him to assess. So as opposed to being here on Friday afternoon, Dr. Arn agreed to come in on Wednesday afternoon. Dr. Larry Arn from Hillsdale College, welcome. It's a great day to talk to you. Isn't it, though? By the way, I was so afraid that we were going to have some awful, miserable, gloomy conversation, but we're not. <laughs> we're not. We're going, to have a, we're going to have a wonderful, upbeat conversation, part of which should be, why did we let ourselves not believe uh, that Tom Cotton would win by 18 points, for example, in Arkansas? Is it 18 now? Last time I looked, it was 16. It's 18 points. Yeah, Is well, it? I... Uh, I, I commented to someone connected to the campaign, I won't name who, a few days ago. I said, you know, this is all very honorable and all that, but that guy's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> That's not very elevating. He is good. He's got a legacy candidacy. He had millions of dollars. But we all kind of, I didn't have enough faith in the American people, Larry. And we're going to talk about this for this entire hour, but it really is, it's 1980, 1994, 2010-like, but even more so because they're reacting to the full frontal Obama. We really do know what we were voting on yesterday. Yeah, that's right. And uh, there's some caveats that we should talk about about the election. But the first thing to say is it was broad uh, and deep. So they, they picked up three governorships, and if I can count right, they've got 31. Uh, they've got, they picked up... Uh, Right now, they picked up, I'm looking again to see what... Seven Senate left. seats, soon to be eight with Alaska and nine with Louisiana. That's right. So so they're going to be at 54 in the Senate. And the, and there's a reason to comment about why that matters. If they're 51, then every senator is, is in a position of extortion against the majority. Right. And if it's 52, then two of them are. And if it's 54... Then it's then then you've actually got to sort of get a gaggle together to resist the rest of them, and so the intra Republican politics will be greatly helped by it being as as many as they've got. Um, then it looks like they got 13 in the House, and they're at 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 a higher level than they've been. I read somewhere today since before the Second World War. I'm not confident since about 1928. That. And, and there are and there are races yet to be decided as they stand at 243. Yeah, so there, so that's really good. And then, if I can count right, and all all I could find was a map with the current stuff, they've gone from 28 to 38, 31, full control of state legislatures. Yes, you're and right. And then they, and then uh, before this election, three states had split legislatures, and and now five do. So that means the Democrats lost two houses in addition. So it, 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 they, the thing, and it, you know, goodness gracious, you know, I know uh, Bob Earhart, who's the most recent Republican governor of Maryland, and he told me he didn't know if a Republican would ever be elected governor of Maryland again. Early the shift in the, in the in the parties had been that much, and darn if they didn't elect a Republican. And for Bob Ehrlich, forget forget Maryland. Ehrlich, they, yeah. they they did. Uh, they they go to Illinois, and I never thought they would ever 
ever elect. Uh, the, the head of this great radio network, the guy in charge of all the radio programs, uh, Dave, sent me a note last night saying he just couldn't believe it because he, he ran our Chicago uh, cluster for a lot of times. And no one really believed, after all the crooks that they had there, that it's a it's a place he wants to, you know, that, that could become the party of Lincoln again. Isn't that funny? And, you know, Pat Quinn is not even in prison. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I got to say, Angus King today did disappoint us by saying he's not—he's not really an independent. He's going to stay with the Democrats. And the president both disappointed but didn't uh, surprise me. He said, "I'm the guy that everybody voted for." Of course, uh, ignoring the fact that 49 percent of Americans didn't vote for him, he has a constitutional point, Larry, that we should respect. Oh yeah, he's still the president, and his—his—I've read an account of his—of his. Of his statements today. I, mean, I didn't watch it because I, I have a job. But uh, it, it, it wasn't terrible, and I feared it would be defiant and angry. And, uh, you know, God knows what he's going to do with the executive power. But they have more means to combat that now than they had before. It was unnecessarily combative, referring to the two-thirds of He hears the two-thirds of Americans who didn't vote. I, I expect them to say, I see dead people as well. It's just... Yeah. It's not what one would expect from a gracious loser, as George W. Bush was a gracious loser in 2006. Yeah, and he was, he, you know, he's, he's, uh, of course everyone knows that he's God's special gift to mankind. <laughs> and on the other hand, he's not very popular. And how do you, how does that compute with a guy like that? Um, not easily. You know, it doesn't seem to come naturally to him. To let, be. let me do something. Uh, I, I had Dwayne go and pull some clips from uh, Senator-elect Tom Cotton's acceptance speech last night. He calls it arn porn uh, because uh, Tom Cotton got up and immediately began to fulfill our expectations by talking seriously about serious things. I'd like you to comment on some of these. Yeah. Uh, let's play cut number one. Congressman, now Senator-elect Tom Cotton. Every election is about a choice, a choice for the people. In this election, the people had a choice between two ways of governing and two ways of living. The choice about the equal rights that God granted us, mm-hmm. that the Declaration proclaims and that the Constitution protects. A choice to live as a free people and to govern ourselves freely yes. yeah. under the greatest Constitution in history. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, Larry Arn, how long has it been since you heard a Republican or a Democrat cite the Declaration in their acceptance speech? Uh, 1861. <laughs> 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 so, first of all, that speech, which I took special trouble to look at, the minute I, I, I checked three times before it was up on the web, and I had high hopes for it because he's a very remarkable man. And mostly he's a remarkable man because he's, he's got the combination. He's studious. He wants to know. He's very curious. He, he puts those arguments together. You heard the speech. It's just beautiful. But then, and you know, a victory statement and beautiful. But then the, 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 he, he, he has thought that through and he understands that the question of the time, just like in every critical time, and there have been two before, is what is the meaning of the Declaration of Independence and what is the standing of the Constitution? And it's it's a microcosm 
of what American politics is about, and to hear a statesman say it is just wonderful. He goes on. Let's play a little bit more. Cut number two, because there's two types, this choice that he said was before the country is the theme of his speech, and, and I want people to dwell on that as we review yesterday. Cut number two. The people of Arkansas tonight have made their choice. Yes, we did. We have again chosen constitutional self-government. Yeah. Which allows each of us to flourish according to his abilities and industry. To live with the blessings of civil and religious liberty. To live as free men and women under law. And to control our government. That's right. Rather than be controlled by it. Throughout this campaign, Arkansans have told me they're ready for America to again be a great, strong, and prosperous country. We reject the pessimism and defeatism inherent in the other way of governing, the centralizing and bureaucratic rule of presumed elites. Mm -hmm. This other form of government through taxing and spending and regulating now consumes nearly half the fruits of all our labors and all our savings. It it intrudes on private life. Mm -hmm. Every community, every business, every school, every person gets unwanted instructions from on high, from unaccountable and unelected elites. This other form of government always wants to help, but is always hindering. Larry Arn, what he said there, it's a question of whether or not we're going to control the government or whether the government's going to control us. That's uh, uh, one of Winston Churchill's favorite sayings. He said it many times in his life, is that there are two kinds of countries the one where the governments own the people and the ones where the government, the people own the governments. And I think that's the distinction we're after. And I, I'll tell you a marvel to me. The, of all the things that are clear, and you know, many things are obscure in public opinion polls, but all the things that are clear in public opinion polls, one of them is that the American people are afraid of their government. They, they ask them, do you have consent of the governed? Somewhere between 18 and 22% say yes to that. Ask them if they fear the government. Something like seventy percent say yes to that. Uh, so, so it's and and the truth is, I actually think that's the case. I think the government is about half the economy, and if you add the regulatory power in, it might be a bit more than half. And I think that it is a force unto itself, and a force that 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 uh, affects elections. And, and so, people, people agree with that. that. They- they shuddered last night. They've got the full brunt of Obamacare unveiled in front of them now, and they shuddered. And we'll come back with Dr. Larry Arn. The Hillsdale Dialogue is early this week, and it's of a piece with what we talked about Friday, the Declaration of Independence. The results are in. It's a landslide, but what does it mean? Stay tuned. We'll tell you. 21 minutes after the hour, Mark, it's Hugh Hewitt. An early Hillsdale Dialogue this week. For all of the Hillsdale Dialogues, go to HughForHillsdale.com. Also, over at Hillsdale.edu, you will find a new online series on the presidency and the Constitution. Maybe we should send the link to President Obama after his press conference today. Uh, joining me to discuss the amazing repudiation of President Obama yesterday and the wholesale landslide for Republicans is Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College, who joins me most weeks on this dialogue on Friday, but we're doing it on the day after the election because so many extraordinary things happen. Before we roll through some of the other challenges, I want to go back to two more cuts from uh, Congressman, now Senator-elect Tom Cotton's speech last night, uh, Larry Arn. This is cut number three where he talks about whether or not the nation is in decline. Constantly seeks to aid, but constantly ends up constraining. We may gain some material security by choosing this other form of government, 
but under it, there's no true security for anyone. Nope. Right. Because right. A, a government big enough, big enough to grant everything is big enough to take away anything. In this campaign, I've contended, if we choose this form of government, we'll spend so much trying to make us all the same that we'll all be impoverished mm -hmm. and yeah. elevate the presumed elites further still. That's right. Mm -hmm. Our country will be too poor to defend itself yep. from enemies that multiply abroad. Mm -hmm. Too diffident to protect our borders and provide opportunity to our citizens. Mm -hmm. And too sluggish to care for the needy and provide work to the able. But our Kansans know that decline is a choice, and tonight we have resoundingly rejected. Decline is a choice, resoundingly rejected. One more cut, Leon, on what kind of a nation we are from Tom Cotton. Cut number four. Kansans are a free people, and tonight we have once again chosen a free government, one that is limited in scope, yet strong and competent in its rightful duties. We have chosen a government that aids our fellow citizens who are struggling without overwhelming them or taking away their freedom yep. or everyone else's freedom in the process. That's right. Our Kansans have chosen a government that protects all the things that we hold dear and in common. Our natural rights, the national defense, system of free enterprise built on private property rights, yep. not special privileges. Yep. And, Thank you. And the right the right to think our thoughts and speak our mind and pray our prayers and raise our kids according Amen, to our brother. faith and our conscience. To do these things does not require a relentlessly centralizing bureaucratic administration yeah. of supposed elite. In fact, it requires the exact opposite. Yes. Mm -hmm. Constitutional self-government. Yes. That's the choice that we have faced. This election was not so much about Mark Pryor or about me, but about you right. and about how we choose to govern and live as a people. Larry Arn, that is like music to my ears. And it wasn't, uh, it, it was uniquely delivered, but it wasn't uniquely felt. A lot of the Republicans who were nominated, Joni Ernst in Iowa, Dan Sullivan in Alaska, Cory Gardner in Colorado, share these sentiments if they are not as expressed as eloquently as the Harvard Law trained uh, Cotton put them. No, but he's, you know, a special guy who's paid so much attention to learning things and uh, learned so many of the right things. But he will teach them, right? He he was th there was energy in the room. If by watching the video, it, it appeared that there was energy. You know, he asked me to go down there, by the way, and I wish I could have. Um, there was energy in the room because truths were being spoken simply and powerfully and comprehensively, and. That is what politics is about today. Do we secure the good things that we need in our lives and from government through one of the, their two options? We're going to appoint the government to do it for us, and it's going to cost a lot, and there are going to be many, many people about the task, or we're going to preserve a system of limited government in which we cooperate through government under our control to do those things. And to, to hear that articulated in that brief compass, and by the way, in a high emotional moment, you know, but he'd been busy all day, and yep. he got up there and said all that. It's just, it's just tremendous in my opinion. And I want to underscore, because in one race, perhaps, the entire election is understood, and Cotton's been on the show a lot, so this audience is very familiar with him. He won by 18 points in a yeah. state that is traditionally Democratic, which has not had two Republican senators since Reconstruction. He won in a time when, and the average median income, I believe, is $52,000, when the government is offering benefits to that median income. And he yeah. took on Mark Pryor directly. And they rewarded him resoundingly, and not against 
someone who was unpopular, but against a legatee of the old system, the old spoil system. So it's it was really a remarkable insight into what happened yesterday. Well, Mark, uh, I'm told that Mark Pryor started spending money in the spring, in the middle of the spring of this year, and they were he was spending a couple hundred thousand dollars a month on negative ads, and that went on for six months, basically unanswered, and at the end of it, Tom was up too. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so you know that I think if the election had been on August fifteenth, Tom would have won, and uh, and that means that. It, it does mean something both broad and deep, and uh, and Tom, I you know the reason I you know I'm fond of Tom and I've known him a long time and I call him a friend, but and but I admire and respect him in part because he chose that moment to put together something so serious and good, and uh, I think others will hear that and repeat that. And in the end, remember, this election is important because we, we, no candidate, and not me and you, Hugh, not even people as powerful as we, <laughs> get the power to decide this, right? The people of, the, of America, as they are arranged under their Constitution, have the right to decide this. And the job of statesmen is to present the choice to them. What, I, what we are waiting so long for, Paul Ryan, another of your buddies on the Hill was on the show last night, and I asked him to what he attributed the success of uh, the Republican candidates. He said they are uh, principled, unifying conservatives who aim high and hope to achieve much. And that's exactly right. They're not low people. They're not trying to get contracts for their friends. They're not, they're not in this to expand their staffs or get private airplanes. Yeah. Um, you know, Tom... Tom Cotton, you know, he, I, I'm going to tell a personal story about him. If he's mad about it, I apologize in advance. Tom Cotton's never really been in a position to make a lot of money. And he has a, a Harvard law degree. And, you know, he was on a partner track at a big D.C. law firm for not very long. And, and you know, his sister said, you know, to me one time, she said, what's the boy thinking? He quits and joins the army. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, on so, Friday, in the in the space of where we normally would be talking, I'll be talking with Rajiv Chandrasekharan, who wrote a new book for Love of Country, which has two chapters on the Rangers and what they did in Afghanistan and Iraq. It was not insignificant what he did there, and I think that combined with the votes for Joni Ernst and Dan Sullivan tells the Republicans a lot about whom they ought to be seeking for 2016. Yeah, men and women who put themselves in harm's way for the country. That's a big deal, and and you know it's turned turn to this day and age. Being in the army is dangerous. <laughs> very, very. But when we come back from break, we're going to talk about what happens now that the president has picked up the gauntlet and said, "I am going to nevertheless move forward with unilateral action on amnesty." And Mitch McConnell's job and John Boehner's job. With Dr. Larry Arn, constitutional scholar, president of Hillsdale College, this is the Hillsdale Dialogue. All of them available at hughforhillsdale.com. Stay tuned. 34 minutes after the hour, America. It's a gift to be simple. It's a gift to be free. And it's a great day in America on the day after the election. Dr. Larry Arn is my guest, a special edition of the Hillsdale Dialogue. My thanks to Guy Benson for sitting with me Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But this hour, I wanted to set aside to get the musings of the president of Hillsdale College on what happens next. President Obama said, look, I'm going to move forward with executive action on immigration. 
and I'm going to use my veto pen. This is a distilled summary, fair, objective of what he had to say today. Uh, and uh, and I'm the guy that everyone voted for. Did How he do you count? Yes, he did. In he response did. to a question, he said, "If they do not act by the end of the lame duck uh, session, I will act." I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. Yeah. yeah. So he's what? Still what got his does? Pen in his phone. He still got his pen in his phone, and that is, as I, I tweeted this out, he's threatening unconstitutional action as a means of levering a constitutional charade out of the and and the congress won't give it to him the house and the senate aren't going to give it to him so he'll act what ought to be the response well it's a, the constitutional response is the right response in other words it's you know tom cotton's the center of tom cotton's thing is you know we control the government and empower the government through the constitution and if the constitution is not followed then it's not a government of law and, you know, the guy who now proposes to be the man who is the government on this issue, people don't like him very much right now. You know, 60% of them don't like him. And so why would he arrogate that power unto himself? And that's, you know, I think people are asking themselves that question, and it's written in these results. But remember, it's not unprecedented, because after the very bad 2010 election and the, and the election of Scott Brown almost won in New Hampshire last night, and, and the national referendum on the health care law, he went ahead with that. And, you right. know, at dead of night by, uh, by exotic procedures in the Congress, he got that thing through. And so he's going to do what he can, and he's, he's got a long record of that. Now, there's a, there's a very wise guy. I'm in Kentucky tonight in Louisville, where I was last week with Bobby Jindal and the new majority leader, Mitch McConnell. And I think Mitch McConnell is a very wise fellow. And I think he'll fight back in deftly and gentlemanly fashion. But if I were he and he acted thus, I would simply deny him the ordinary fruits of the business. I wouldn't confirm any of his people and I'd stay in session so he couldn't use the recess appointment. That's, That's what yeah. I would do. It's You know, we should be sure that you know, one should be sure, the, the Congress should be sure, that everything it does is within its constitutional scope. Yep. And so I'll add to your point that we don't proceed by budgets in America anymore. And that liberates the executive branch to spend resources more broadly and in, in, in with a wider range of options than if there is a budget. So they should get about the business of passing a budget, and the budget should be by department, and then they can manage departments. And if there's one they don't like, they can cut its budget. You know, and this is, this brings us to the divide in the Republican Party. I don't think it's ideological so much as it is about pacing and urgency. Our friends, led by Ted Cruz, are urgently invested in moving bills to the president's desk and passing a budget and putting the appropriation writers in. And perhaps some of our more... Uh, experienced members who've been there longer like the old pace of the old world. How do you suggest they bridge that gap and maybe Paul Ryan's the guy to do it? Well, you got to have a budget, right? I mean, it's a, it's an organization that spends money and it takes money and it has to have a budget. You know, the college has a budget. The Hugh Hewitt Show has a budget. And so they have to do a budget. And the budget has to reflect their priorities and then there will be some kind of compromise over that budget. But for the first time in years, their priorities will more ser be more seriously asserted. And so that's not radical or easy. That's just how you have to do business if you're going to have accountability. And they need to, well, I think they need 
to really grab the budget in the way that Paul Ryan was talking about last night and make it truly a reforming budget and to put it on uh, to agree to it quickly and then to follow quickly with the appropriations bills. Normally, they don't get to the budget till April or May. I don't think that's acceptable, Larry Arn. What do you think? Well, I think it's uh, it's unusual that somebody is able and far-seeing and knowing so many details as Paul Ryan is the head of the budget committee and and you know probably ways and means right isn't that where he's going to go we think yes and yes. Uh, and so that's a that's an important opportunity and you know i i also think this we have to remember i was going to make some caveats about the victory these races were close and that uh, you know it's amazing when you look at the races by the way that hardly anybody won by 55% and then and then uh, maybe I'll finish that point when we come back. But, but the second thing is the turnout was much lower than in general election. So we don't know what's going to happen in 2016 right now. We'll come back and talk about that with Dr. Larry Arn as we conclude this week's Hillsdale Dialogue, surveying the results of Tuesday's landslide victory for the Republican Party. Stay tuned. 44 minutes after the hour, America. It's the weekly Hillsdale Dialogue with Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College. There's a brand new course over at hillsdale.edu on the president and the Constitution, which you ought to go and watch each lecture as they come out on Monday. All of our previous Hillsdale Dialogues, beginning with Homer, going back to January of last year, available at Hillsdale. Uh, Hugh4Hillsdale.com. I recommend them to you as well. Dr. Larry, on our last segment here, and um, the late James Q. Wilson used to say, turn out, schmurn out. I'm paraphrasing here. They model the, the people stay home and they genuinely and generally reflect those who showed up. The president seemed to be putting a lot of store in the two-thirds who didn't show up yesterday and suggesting that they were with him as opposed to against him. Um, but you're right. We don't really know what 2016 looks like. And the Republicans can't expect to be rewarded if they don't do anything with especially their state majorities, and I think especially in an area like education reform. So I, I talked to the wise Phil Graham a couple of months ago about all this, and uh, former senator. And he said that in the ideal world, what they will do is present to the world how they would like the country to look through a series of bills that both houses pass and the president signs or vetoes. And that, that that's their job. They are communicating. They're saying what they would do. And education is a great place because education is ripe for reform. Yep. And there are large reform movements going on, of which we happen to be a part. And, and they should, and you know, by the way, the ones we represent are tried and true and old. And they work in the modern world. We can prove it. And so they should be given scope. And they also, by the way, have this really great feature. They empower teachers and parents and local schools. And teachers are crying out for that. So they should, they should pass a series of bills that breaks the centralization of everything. And then Obama will veto them or he will not, and there will be some kind of compromise and it will be messy. But they will have made their point in their budget and in their appropriations, and in the legislation that they pass. That's what and, they should do. And to the point, the president also said an agreement is within reach with Iran. That's laughable. Uh, a capitulation to Iran is within reach, but not an agreement. They're not serious about an agreement. Anyone who knows the regime knows that. Uh, there are some serious people arriving in the Senate. I, I've named them repeatedly, Sullivan Ernst and, of course, Tom Cotton, who have you know, seen the enemy and have come to blows with the enemy. They will buck up the Senate in regards to this enemy, but uh, he's still the commander-in-chief, Larry Arnn. It, 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 will, it will require 
real leadership on the part of Mitch McConnell and John Boehner to pass a sanctions bill in the face of a Munich-like agreement with Tehran. Yeah, that's right. And and uh, he's got two years, and goodness knows what he'll do. But th- first of all, make this simple point. The, the regime in Iran is an oppressor of its own people and is a sponsor of terrorism abroad. And those are facts. And so to calculate your foreign policy upon an agreement with them is a really, especially before you have it, is a really remarkable approach. And so that's crazy. And they should they should pass bills. They should pass bills about the military, by the way, because the military needs some shoring up, and it probably, I think it does, need some reform, both. And, you know, we need to be lean and mean, and we need to be ready to go because there's a lot of danger in the world. Now, i got to ask you about lean and mean and ready to go. You run the Kirby Center in Washington, D.C. A lot of the people who are ascendant in the Republican Party come by the Hillsdale College Kirby Center for a lecture, for a conversation, for some generation of ideas. Uh, and you've, I think you've got an expanded mission now. I wonder, are you, are you gearing up uh, to, to sort of be there more as this year unfolds? Well, you know, Matt Spaulding runs that, and he's very good, so he's there all the time. But I am there a lot, and I, and I will go more, and there's more people to see now. You know, Ben Sass from Nebraska is a very promising guy, too. Oh, my goodness, yes. And, uh, and so there's, there's more to do. And, you know, our job, you know, first of all, political tactics is not what I run from Hillsdale, Michigan. Our job is what is the nature of the conflict and how would you proceed under the Constitution? And some of these things, by the way, that, that uh, Obama's going to do, it's very hard to stop them from the Congress, and some of them will not be stopped. And in, in those cases, what one must do is register plain opposition and reasons for it. And, 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 to, and to argue that, to argue yeah. that case, lay like, it out. Like, you know, Tom, you know, Tom's speech, which I like so much, and, you know, it was, it, it, what it does is it lays out a different approach to the problems of the day. And it breaks out of this thing that you're either for or against the government. And I personally am for the government of the founding of America, and I am against the government of Joseph Stalin. And come to find out, it just matters what the government is like, whether you're for or against it. <laughs> yeah, last night, um, and I talked earlier in the show with Thomas Edsel, that the, the, uh, the, the pre- a political scientist at Notre Dame, David Legee, wrote Thomas Edsel, by election year 2014 was the final chapter in making the president small. The immediate aftermath of 2008 was that Americans had finally conquered their racial aversions. The election of Barack Obama was a victory both for renewed hope and long-awaited democracy. By 2014, Obama was small, a punching bag, easily bullied, the one to whom small politicians could talk tough, abusively, the one whose ideas were ignored, the one whom his fellow partisans would come to avoid at all costs. How could this happen in six short years? I think that's profoundly wrong, Dr. Larry Arnn, but how would you respond to someone who thinks that somehow... President Obama is a victim in this election. Well, first of all, understand that Barack Obama seems to me, at me, uh, 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 at least, to be a man of serious principle, and according to his lights, he acts as his conscience dictates, and he's very firm about that. And I dis, I, I, I dislike what he does, and I dispute his principles, 
and I'm even afraid of him. But having said that, he's, he, we are where he has taken us, and he meant to do it. You know, one, a member of Congress, Pete Roskam, a friend of mine, had a kid here, a very good guy from Illinois. He said to me once, he said, you know, about this Obamacare thing, they are very ready to call the herd. That is to say, the Democratic members in Congress, they're very ready to lose a lot of seats to get done the things that they're going to do. And that means he, he, in some sense, he's intended this. And he got it, and now we have to see whether or not we're ready to call our herd in order to get rid of it, Larry Arn. A question for a future Hillsdale Dialogue. Thank you for joining me on the day after the landslide, Dr. Larry Arn. Visit hillsdale.edu to see how the Constitution and the presidency ought to work. And I will be right back to conclude tonight's Hugh Hewitt Show.